Hello and welcome to From the Rookery End, a podcast all about life following Watford Football Club. And we've been following them from Mike's special front room where I only see goals, <laughs> dramatic goal score. We'll get to that one in a minute. Um, with me this evening is Mike. Good evening to you, John. Uh, and your wonderful brother, Andy. Oh, is that me? <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I would say you're my favourite parking, but I think I do prefer Liz. She's much funnier <laughs> out of all the parking siblings. We've just watched Watford uh, away at West Brom. It ended whew, just about 1-1. Let's start with the, the first good thing that happened, and it was it was pretty, pretty spectacular. You've probably seen it. You were either watching the game, at the game. It's one of those things that's going to be replayed across social media as clips for for weeks and months to go because basically we can stop the goal of the season competition tonight because Ishmael Asar, Michael, mm. technically scored, and I use that word precisely, technically a brilliant goal. Absolutely wonderful, wasn't it? They've just seen the replay on TV in front of us now and it's the touch that gives him the opportunity to yeah, hit it from, what, five, ten yards inside his own half. Uh, perfectly, uh, the trajectory was absolutely perfect. So much so that as soon as it left his foot, you thought, right, this has got a chance. It's one of those, everything just clicked into place. No, but... you, you're wrong there, because someone did tweet us, I can't remember who it was, who said, when he did that, he said, what on earth are you doing? Oh, hang on. <laughs> I, I thought exactly that initially. And then you somehow, there's just something in you, if you watch enough football games, you know where the ball's going. You can tell that it's in with a chance. Um, but I think the credit goes to initially the touch uh, and then the wherewithal to do it and then to actually deliver something like that is... Absolutely extraordinary. Any of us who have ever kicked a football before know how difficult it is to kick a, a ball that distance with accuracy, with that trajectory to get it over the over the goalkeeper. Just a, an absolute sensational goal. No words I can come up with will do it. Will do it justice. Sheer brilliance, uh, and it took something like that to 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 get Watford ahead in the game. It did get us ahead, um, but let's let's focus a bit on um, on Ishmael a bit, Andy. Well, I've got a word for it. I thought it was a clearance. I thought, <laughs> I thought we were just trying to get it out of our half for once. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah well, we'll talk about the Watford uh, first half performance. But in terms of Ishmael overall, he missed that penalty. It was a very weak, a very no power behind it in the wrong place. Let's not dwell on that. But his performance overall, I think he upped it a little bit from last week. He was a bit, a bit more ever-present, which I didn't quite feel he did as much compared to the other two last week. Yeah, no, I think Dennis and Saar role reversal this week. Uh, Dennis looked much, much better last week. Saar looked a, a bit insignificant, even though uh, assisting for the goal. But yeah, Saar was much more involved in everything Dennis touched today seemed to go out of play. Yeah. So um, yeah, better from better from Sarah. And if we've got those two, if one of them's doing it, then you know that that's helpful. But none of the front three really got a look in today, really, did no, they? No, they, they just didn't gel. It's like exactly like we said last week. Those we've got those amazing toys on Christmas morning, and you know how do we slot them together to to get maximum enjoyment? And we talk about Ismail Sarah. He really is the sort of Man, well, one of the men of the moment. I think there's someone at the other end of the pitch who is, who is the Watford man of the match who will come on to, I'm sure. But I think the important thing to recognise is absolutely sublime goal when Watford are up against it. And he's absolutely right to sort of tongue in cheek call it a clearance because for the whole game, Watford were up against it. They we'd played most of the game in our own half. Yet, Ismail Assar, yes, he missed the penalty, but he won it. Uh, and so that's the impact a player like him can have on games. Uh, and in, in the Championship, I'd, I'd, I'd said it earlier, I do not think Watford will steamroll a many, many sides. It just doesn't happen, really, 
in this division. Obviously, there's the occasional anomaly, but there aren't many teams who just turn up, batter everyone week in, week out. And let's caveat this whole conversation, actually, with saying that West Bromwich Albion away on a weeknight under lights is a very, very difficult proposition. And I think if you'd have offered anyone in this room a point before we started, we'd have probably gone, yeah, all right. We'll probably, we'll bank that, I think. Well, Arlo was in the room with us. And I reckon if anyone wouldn't be, I, th- I think Arlo uh, but, would have done. But credit to, credit to Saar, dreadful penalty. Let's, let's call it out for what it is. It's a, it, was a, it was a tame effort. He thought he was going to send the keeper the other way. He, Button's got a very, very good record defending, defending penalties. I think he's, he saved a very high percentage of the, the penalties he's faced in, uh, in the championship. Bad penalty, but he earned it. Um, so disappointing on one hand because we had that really, really clear-cut chance to, to win it. A penalty is pretty much the clearest-cut chance you're going you're gonna to get. But you weigh that up against the chances that West Bromwich Albion had in the first half and in the second half. It would be churlish to be anything other than happy with a, with a point, I think. The, the question is, should we have been in a situation where it was such one-way traffic, really? Well, because, because it's a tough game. Yeah. But should it have been that tough? And I'm, I'm not convinced it, it should have been. Well, I, why was it so tough is a real question for me. Why was it? Was it them? Was it their performance and the way that they were approaching this game, their first home game? They know it's on television. They had a season last season where they, they limped away and didn't get anything, finished 10th in the end. First home game, won't do well against it. And we're not quite, Andy, we're not quite... Our pieces aren't quite in the right place. No, I think we're definitely a work in progress. And, you know, it's again contrast. You've got Rob Edwards, fairly new manager, Steve, Bu- Steve Bruce, four promotions under his belt, really experienced manager. Two good teams, I think. Both of us are going to be up there. But, you know, there's that contrast there. And, and they were just better tonight. They were just much, much better. Their new signings have, have gelled um, seemingly into their team. And, you know, individually, they look better as well as a better team tonight. And, you know, I think looking at it, we were saying from 25, 30 minutes in, do we need to change it? How do we change it? And we were going to ask questions of, you know, what what can we do? Because this is a system that he's going to play. And that was that was the kind of worry because it, it didn't really stop. You know, the second half, the second half was we, we felt less under the cosh. And we had a few moments, i.e. the penalty. But overall, it was just there was just much more cohesion, and we just seemed disjointed. And ironically, we've got all this pace up front, and a lot of the preamble was about the pace and, and our attacking front three. Yet it was West Brom getting in in behind us with the simple passes, and we do, we just didn't do it at all. We could barely get out of our half. There you go. Look, the stats are in front of us now. Touches in opposition box. Watford had seven touches in the West Brom box. They had. They had 41. And I think we, Watford were really up against it. And I think for me, it was they, West Brom were able to get down the flanks and get in behind us, which is what you'd be expecting Watford to, to try and do, really, with the, with the way they're set up. And I think we just seemed to... We weren't able to stop it down either side, really. It was pretty relentless. Dan Backman had to make a, a, a real host of decent saves in the first half in particular, he really had to be on his game. And, you know, Akoya wasn't there today. He wasn't on the bench, but where, where I haven't caught up on, 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 I think he's had a knock, hasn't he? But he'll be watching at home going, oh, I'm not really uh, much closer to the first 11 after that from Dan Backman. We've all had question marks over him, but he's, he's really delivered, delivered tonight. But yeah, actually, his 
three, I think he had three saves in the first 10, 15 minutes, and two of those were prob- probably better than Button's penalty save. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they were much harder to save. He, 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 he had a fantastic game. I think, the, but we just overloaded. Down the flanks, West Brom sort of were able to, to ask more questions of us than we were of them. And I think what was, what was disappointing really was that the fact we, you know, we've got three centre-backs and it took, yes, the West Brom goal was, was a decent touch, a decent finish. Um, yes, it had been coming. Yes, they deserved it. But for us to give that particular goal up when we weren't particularly good down the flanks to the, because we're focusing on having that, that, that central three, to get undone as easily as we did for the goal was was a little bit annoying. I thought a little bit, a little bit frustrating. And I think Andy's absolutely right. I think a work in a work in progress is is exactly the right right terminology. And but I think the the same issues that we saw last Monday in terms of how we get the ball from front to back. I mean, Ismail Assar's got an idea of how you get the ball from front to back. Pick it up, whack it into the back of the net from a million miles out. That's that kind of works for me. But there wasn't really much sort of cohesive, coherent football in terms of an attacking threat. And we've, you know, we've been speaking about how much, how we need to make the most of these, this incredible trio we've got up top. And really, have we done that in the first, first two games, the first two sets of 90 minutes? The answer is, is, is no. Well, Jao Pedro was coming very deep to pick the ball up to try and progress it through the midfield because the ball wasn't progressing through the midfield at all. Um, and did you put that down to the, the men that were in that midfield, um, Kayembe and Cleverly, or did you put it just down to the numbers? Personally, I think it's the numbers, or, or maybe a bit of both. I think, you know, it just felt light in the, in the middle, um, you know, just, just getting bypassed at every point, And it just, it just feel, felt compressed. You know, we we both had ten players out on the pitch on the outfield, <laughs> but we were squeezed into this this section, and, and West Brom just kept getting through us, one way or another, where it was down the flanks or, or, or through the middle. So, I, I, yeah, I, I I'm questioning that. I mean, but KMB seemed a little bit sort of insignificant today. I didn't see a lot of him. Um, might have been because Eli kept standing up in front of me. But, um, <laughs> um, yeah, I think it, it just it just didn't work tonight. It, this system, if this is what we're going to play, it, it didn't work tonight. And I felt it was light. You know, we, I was I was calling for us to go four at the back and and, and bring on another midfielder. Well, that's my I'm, I'm no coach, but, fact, but that that's my question. Is like where does that extra man in the midfield come from? Maybe not in terms of taking away from someone. Is it? Does it come from the front? Where they go two at the front, or is it they go four at the back, Mike? What do you think? Particularly in this game, I don't mean to say long term, but particularly in this game, do you think it would have been easier to add someone to the midfield to get that progression through by taking someone from up front? I've just, I'm just, we've just watched a replay of the West Bromwich goal, actually, and I might have been doing them and us a little bit of a disservice. It really was a lovely ball, great take, and a, and a good finish, and that's their only goal of the game. Mm-hmm. So whilst the performance leaves a little bit to be desired, and I agree with everything that you both said about us Watford being up against it and it, it feeling like, as supporters watching it, we need and should have to change something. If you actually look at the game, their one goal was extraordinarily well worked. We've had a good goalkeeper. Let's not forget Dan Batten was an international goalkeeper. So we've got a good goalkeeper. Good goalkeepers keep out good efforts. So you could argue that away from home... It was almost a masterclass. 
I'm not going <laughs> to... Oh, do we have a title for the podcast? Almost a masterclass there, Michael. Yeah. But you say it was... Yeah, I mean, that's where I wanted to go to in the end. The, the fact is that actually they scored one. We kept the... You know, we were being battered, the word we kept using in this room. Battered and battered and battered. But actually, nothing came of it. Yeah. Because of Dan Backman, but because of actually the defensiveness, the defensive side overall. Yeah, I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I say, I mean, it's it's not a masterclass. But if you win 1-0 or 2-1 away from home with a smash and grab, that is kind of the uh, the, the archetypal description of a, of, a, of a decent away performance. It's an odd one. A goalkeeper's there to make saves. Backman yeah. made several tonight. We, we only conceded one goal. And, and it was a good one. And it was a good one. And as, as you said earlier, we've come away with a point. Deserved or not, we've got a point. It's another point. One of the hardest game away games in, that we're going to come across this season. Yeah. So, you know, you've got to take the positives out of it. This is the question. Would you expect to dominate away at West Brom? Yeah, I think it's difficult, isn't it? Because this is so new to us. Rob, Rob Edwards is new. This is a not necessarily a new team, but the system's new. It's new to us as well. So, you know, whilst I'm calling for, I was calling for change in the game. You've got to trust it. You've got to trust the manager. Yeah. We, we've given this guy a chance. We've got to trust him. We've got to see how it pans out. And so far, we've got four points from two games: one at home and one away. That you know, Jace would always say, say yeah. "Win your home games, draw your away games." That's what we've done so far. So. You know, we can pick the bones out of it, and you know there was improvements from mon- from last Monday definitely uh, in, that were required, and there's there's more tonight. But we've got a point away, and I think that's that's what we've got to take away from it, and and look to Burnley on Friday. If, if West Brom play against like play like that at home against the majority of the rest of the division, they'll win. Yeah. So I think that is we have to take the positives, as Andy rightly says. But I think also as critical friends we would like to say well with the with the players we have we'd like to see a little bit a little bit more in terms of you know what what did we create on the counter you know are we looking at it thinking okay well if you want to go there and play a game where you're going to sit and you're going to absorb pressure and you're going to be happy with it to get the ball in now if Ken Semmer had not been out there on the left and trying to be defensive which isn't his strength he was being far more defensive this week than he was last week. I don't. I can't even remember him getting past the halfway line. Then their best player, then we've got the man of the match, was the man he was up against, Wallace, who was pinging them in. Twenty-one crosses he made, creating seven chances. It, it, you know, that, for me, that's the bit that we were saying. Oh, you know, he's terrible. Well, there was quite a clear, obvious thing that needed to be corrected there somehow, and Ken doing that wasn't the. And being there wasn't isn't isn't the answer, but then when the substitutions were made, it was Kamara, very grumpy looking Kamara, was taken off, uh, and Gaspar brought on, and Ken wasn't corrected. Mike, is it, is it wrong for me to think that he needed correcting? Potentially, yeah, because I think I think what we can take if you're reading between the lines, we're thinking that um, Gaspar isn't up to speed in terms of starting do you by default not change a winning side you, you know you, yeah. you keep you keep the side you, you're in possession of the shirt you win the game you you execute what the managers ask you to do so you stay in, in in possession so I think there's something to be said for that you know Ken Ken Semmer is 
A, a really good championship player, I think. We didn't see the best of him tonight, but that's for all the reasons that we, we've spoken about. Ken Semmer is best when he's got a little bit of space to run into. He can do his little thing down the left, beat a man. It never looks like he's going to do it, but he always seems to, to manage to do it. It's almost like Lloyd Doyle defending. It's like, well, he's just going to ghost past him. <laughs> then all of a sudden, he uh, looks like he's got eight arms and legs and it's impossible to get past. Well, Ken's the same going the other way. He can, he can beat a man with some sort of... Uh, Jedi mind trick, it would appear, but he just didn't have the space to run onto that. And um, so I kind of understand why that that switch was made. Uh, Taking Kamara off and bringing a right back on is is fine. It's sensible. What you're suggesting, so the 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 substitution doesn't doesn't. So if he brings Ken Semmer off, Kamara to left, and um, so that that might have been it. But he sort of. He did a decent smothering job to a degree, mm. I guess, uh, Ken Semmer. But what I we're just show, seeing clips of Rod, Rob Edwards watching the game, and what's telling is, and this is by no means a a criticism, is that he is obviously learning very, very quickly. Mm. He is obviously a big step up for him in terms, and we're starting to learn a little bit about his how he holds himself, how he um, what his sort of personality is. So. Sheffield United last week, Paul Heckingbottom and Stuart McCall, they're remonstrating with the fourth official. They're up, they're out, down, they're up, they're down, they're out of their their um, their technical area. Really, really vocal, really demonstrative. Um, whereas that, that that just isn't Rob Edwards at all. Um, and he's, he's been thrust into the limelight. Two massive games, another massive one to come on Friday on the TV Again, I said it earlier, what was the point in getting relegated from the Premier League if you don't get a game on a Saturday? (laughs) We might as well go straight back up, lads, I reckon. Um, But he will be learning and he will be watching. And, you know, we can see it sat here. He will have he'll be recognising. And I think he's a he's a savvy guy. He's a steely, determined guy. He will know where his side is currently not doing what he wants it to do and will have the the concerns, I guess, that, that we saw today as well. So. It's a baptism of fire for for Rob Edwards. He's he's having to manage a squad which is full of players, some of which will be disappearing when we don't know, but almost certainly in the next sort of couple of weeks or in the next transfer window. He doesn't know what's coming in. It's a, it's, and then he's having to play Sheffield United. He's having to play West Brom away, Burnley at home. It's a big step up without wanting not being um, uh, reductive or being condescending. It's a big step up from Forest Green. He looked very, very so uh, so, not sombre, sombre as he came off the pitch. He went and clapped the fans, and yeah, yeah, right, he's taking it in, and he sort of, yeah, he did. He wasn't. You can see the honesty on his face and where he is. We'll talk a little bit more about Rob uh, when we talk about the Junior Hornets Fun Day a bit later on. A podcast by Watford fans. For Watford fans, this is from the rookery end. We just uh, stopped and watched uh, Rob's post-match uh, interview. Honest, which is always a good thing. Yeah, he looked a little bit shell shocked, Michael. I wouldn't say shell shocked. I think it was a very, very honest appraisal. And I think at this stage of the season, it's something you can get behind. He was very, very clear that he wanted to give credit to the players for for digging in. He was, which he, and he, but he was at pains to point out that that's the bare minimum. And so he's setting standards. He's saying, throw your body on the line, give it everything you've got, 
but that's the minimum. We expect that week in, week out. So obviously we're on board with that. I like the fact that he didn't soft soap it. He didn't try and whitewash it. He said that we were um, probably ultimately a little bit lucky to get a point, but you you earn that luck to a, a degree. I like the way he talked about, um, you know, Ismail Asar. They mentioned that he had a chance to win the game with with the penalty, which of course we did. But the reason, as we spoke about earlier, one of the big reasons we're in that position is because Ismail Asar turned it turned it on. So I like the way he's honest. I like the way he's protective of his of his team. I like the way that he's obviously trying to build something in terms of belief in them each other as a group. Um, but he talked about. Yeah, if we said this was happening, it was better than Beckham's goal, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, the Beckham goal from uh, 1906 has, uh, of course, been uh, brought out of the Sky Sports uh, archive. But, but about a yard said, further. But what he did say, though, was it wasn't our night, and it's like you can't really quantify that. That's, yeah. And we weren't good enough with the ball. So if we're going to really drill down into to what he said, the nice, the, the stuff he said was good. And I can get on board with what he says. And I think, you know, as Watford supporters, we were sitting here nodding, going, yeah, fair enough, Rob. You're you're representing us well on national TV. You've said it how it is. Steve Bruce was very, pretty magnanimous as well, talking about the goal. So all round, two nice football managers. We've had a decent result. That's fine. But he's also said, we need to be, we need to be better. We need to be better with the ball. How does that manifest itself is my is my question. What are you going to do or what is this group, what is this head coach going to do to fix that? Because, you know, it's fine margins. It doesn't necessarily need to be much. No. Um, there's, there's loads of games and often it'll just be a little bit of quality that will be the difference. But he's spoken about being better with the ball. How are we going to be better with the ball? Is that a, a sort of change in personnel? Is that a change in... In approach, that's that'll that's what will interest me, and I'm sure our fellow Watford supporters in the in the coming weeks, because it's another hugely difficult game, arguably, well, not arguably, the hardest game of the of the trio so far. Burnley at home, they're looking really really decent, really look like they're ticking under under Vincent Company. They'll come to Watford without any fear, um, and knowing that they'll they'll know that a point away at Watford, for example, would be deemed a, a, a good result. So they'll come with. The, with the pressure off and the pressure's a little bit back on us um, after after the way the game has, has has panned out tonight. So it's we said it before the season started, this was going to be a steep learning curve for, for Watford. It was going to be a steep learning curve for, for Rob Edwards and it's panning out exactly like that. But football isn't easy. Being competitive in the Championship isn't easy. Putting together a squad, melding together a squad, a team that can do what needs to be done to get up out of this division really isn't easy and you know we're showing glimpses that they've got the guts at the very least to 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 get that done yeah i think i think that friday is going to be massive just to see you know uh he was asked about any fundamental changes that he's going to that needed to be made you know we'll see on friday i think obviously if we put in a better performance on friday it's all good you know it, it this can be forgotten um, because you know the performance can be forgotten because we've got the point we've got that's that's in the bag. If we put in a better performance on on um, Friday and we and we do manage the ball better and we create some chances, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, then we move forward positively and that may be with changes or without. But I'm sure they'll watch it back. They'll see 
as a group what they need to do better and individually what they need to be, do better and hopefully we can see that in, come to fruition on Friday. From the Rookery End, a podcast about life following Watford FC. Uh, this week was a fantastic, I had a fantastic day, a very hot day, but it was the Junior Hornets Fun Day at the training ground. Uh, if you wanted to go along, you had to apply and enter and there were hundreds of children there. And all the players as well. I went along with Arlo and with Eli. Uh, and, uh, well, this is, this is what they thought about their day in the Dome. So, boys, we have finished living our afternoon in the hottest place on earth, otherwise known as the Watford Dome. We've been to some family fun day. Uh, Eli, how was it for you? I think it was quite fun. Quite? Fun. OK. But my fa- right, near the middle of it, I just needed to kick a ball. I just needed to. And then we found this goal area and then I started to kick a ball. I was happy. Arlo, um, you said uh, earlier on to me, you said it was fun. What, what, it was, as you said, a fun day. What was the, the funnest thing you did, though? Meeting the players um, and knocking Eli off of a bar. <laughs> Which game? There was lots of inflatables and stuff, weren't there, around to play a game. What did you knock them off? The, oh, you, when you played the gladiator poodle stick thing, Yeah. yeah. I won 3-0. Eli was great at it. He just fell off right at the end. Yeah, it was, uh, he threw himself into the, to the throw a bit too much, I think. So we spent a lot of time in lines, Eli. Which players did you, did you get to see? Actually, easy question. Which players didn't you get to see? Now, who's your, who's your favourite? I think my favourite, I think it might have been um, game Bar- uh, Barkman. Who had the longest queue, do you think, to line up for? Oh, Saar for definite. Mm. It was like 20 metres. But it didn't take that long. No, no, no. The line, everyone, you looked on the line, you thought, oh, it's really long. But actually, the kids are having their pictures taken and all the adults with them. So it's like half the size, really. But it was a very long queue. Him and, him and Pedro, I think, had, had the longest. And you got at the end there, you had a bit of a chat with Rob Edwards outside. He was there for, I think he was the last, last person to go out of all the the playing staff and he was sat outside having a chat and you guys having a chat with uh, him and some of the other boys what was he telling you about um he sort of told us about that he used to play for nine teams okay some of them are aston villa norwich so basically you guys were interviewing him about his history as a, as a football footballer yes ah and arlo what's, what's he like you, yeah we, we got to meet him for the podcast what, what did you think of him when you met rob Good first impression. Looks yeah. like a, he looks like a coach that can have fun, but also make them do well. Yeah, I got that. And we got to see Anne. We got to see Anne. Obviously. Always good. Um, yeah, she's just Anne, isn't she? <laughs> and you get a hug from Anne, uh, Eli. Yes. Uh, actually, I got to catch up with Anne um, at the uh, halfway through and see how today was for her. Uh, and she never likes it when I record these interviews, but I did anyway. Here's, here's how it went. You're back. Yeah. You're not doing... I am. Just quickly. So how is it, Anne, being back in at a, at a Junior Hornets fun day? Absolutely buzzing. What's the best thing about it for you? Looking out and seeing all those hundreds of little ones in their yellow shirts and seeing William Trusticon. Oh, why, why William so much? I just like him. <laughs> OK, we'll leave it there. And there was a Rob did a, a lot. You you went on stage and had a uh, um, got interviewed, and then Rob got interviewed. He speaks so brilliantly, doesn't he? I think he's wonderful, and I think he's another Graham Taylor. But he said 
he likes Graham Taylor's, what he did, but he wants to do things his way. Yeah. But he's got the same ideas, but he wants it to be Rob Edwards. Yeah. And I think he'll succeed. Yeah. And you had a, there's lots of kids lining up for autographs for the players, but you had a little line, didn't you? Yes, I did. <laughs> Can you believe it? But I noticed your two didn't come. Oh, <laughs> well, they're good they're friends. A bit older. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it, was, it was amazing. And like, you know, compared to what we had in the in the 80s it's a whole other level now isn't oh, it oh it is and it's credit to Dave and Barry and Chris and I think they're going to have what we had but it's going to take time mm. and don't forget we were in the lower divisions yeah. but now well we are again aren't we but being in the Premier you've got to deal with all the big clubs yeah, yeah. but we've got the big hearts John <laughs> and they can't take that away from us and you at the game on Monday how was that Brilliant, and I sat in my stand <laughs> first time. And do you know who I sat with? Who? Ian Bolton. Oh, okay. Yes, that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> but we went to the um, family zone that started. Yeah. I was disappointed I didn't see your little fella. We came in a bit late. You've always got an excuse. Yeah, I've always got an excuse, yeah. <laughs> but no. We'd, we'd only got back at five o'clock from a weekend away. Okay. So we were... Yeah. I come from Cambridge every time. Yeah, but you hadn't spent four days at a music festival drinking a lot of beer, had well, you? Well, <laughs> That's your choice. That is my choice. But no, it, it was lovely. And I think for once, all the flags made the atmosphere in the family stand. The, Pushed it up a bit, uh, and it was lovely. And it took me back, John, to our days. You know, we used to say Watford. Yeah. And they used to take the Mickey out of us. But the family standed it on Monday night, <laughs> so I was well pleased. I yeah. thought, yes, we are going back all those years. Yeah. yeah. No, it's like higher pitch Watford. No, Watford. No, no. But Watford. It, it, it means a bit more. Yes. Oh, I'm just so proud of it all. And I'm just thankful that Dave and Barry have welcomed me back. Yeah. What do you think, what's going to happen this season then? We're going to be promoted. We're going to win the championship. And we're going to hang on to Rob. And I hope that the three forwards we started with on Monday night will stay. Because I think they'll put the fear of God in some of them. <laughs> yeah. I thought More well. fear of God than you used to put into us at the family enclosure? No. Okay. <laughs> and one thing Anne told us while we were talking to her and Rob, she asked him, could you please stop the players to spit on the grass? Yeah, she didn't like it when she saw them spitting, did she? But, you know, she has her high values, of which we are, are grateful for at this football club. So a wonderful day here at the Watford Training Ground in the Dome, even though it was about 50 billion degrees, um, and just seeing so, so many very, very happy Hornets. Uh, it was, a, yeah, another joy of being a Watford fan. Come on, you want. Wonderful hearing from Anne there. My favourite moment was seeing her... Firstly, I saw her out, out the front, and I saw her stood... At the because you know, it's a it's a what's called a spinning door, and she was there with a junior hornets t-shirt on the back. It said staff. I went, I went, Anne, why does your t-shirt say staff on the back? It should say legend. Mm-hmm. And she went up on stage and she had a bit of a, a talk to everybody and she was introduced to the crowd. And then when she came off, we we're waiting for like Robin the players to turn up, and there was a lovely line of all these junior hornets getting her autograph. But the best moment is when junior hornets of my age went back up to her. 
and how excited they were to see her, how they embraced her. And it was just pure, pure love. And you can hear that, uh, how proud that Anne is in those in that little chat that I, I had with her. Um, another big thing, huge thing we're going to have in the next couple of weeks, in fact, the entire season is celebrating Watford's 100th anniversary of playing at Vicarage Road. I sacked, I went to the Hornet shop today, and as I went round, I don't know what you want to call it, the, the parade of shops, uh, previously there was a big billboard of the We campaign, and they've changed that with a 100 and it's got the Vicarage Road. So it is, it's, it's, this is the big season. There's the next two home games, or no, not the next two, the QPR and then the Middlesbrough home game, I think it is. The next, not the one, the one, the two after Burnley. When the actual anniversary uh, of moving to Vicarage Road happened, there's going to be lots of events. There's a book coming out. We're going to chat to Jeff Wicken about that. He's written that book. Uh, but, today, uh, but last Friday, uh, I went down to Watford Museum to chat to, uh, or to see the new exhibition that they've got on until late September. It's open now. Uh, so if you're in the lower high street, pop down and have a look. Uh, I'll get there early on a match day to, to see what's on there. And there's some beautiful things. There is amazing, and I'll share it on our uh, uh, social medias. Someone's done a, I think it's Tom, he's done a scale model of the Vicarage Road prior to 1986. So it's the old Dale, it's all the thing, the scoreboard, you name it, it's all there. Uh, so that's worth going down to see alone, as well as all the different memorabilia. Uh, and of course, we'll have Jason and Colin back on the podcast soon <laughs> to talk about what Vicarage Road was like 100 years ago. <laughs> boom, boom. Uh, I brilliantly got the luck of catching up with the biggest collector uh, of all things Watford, Sir Nigel Gibbs. Uh, he was there and I caught up with a bit of a chat with him about the exhibition, uh, which uh, is on now. So, Sir Nigel, here we are at the museum. Now, how many of these items are yours? Because you've got a collection of it. You are a collector. Uh, I am a collector, yes. I didn't know I was at the time, but I I seem to uh, pick things up over my career and uh, just bring back good memories. And uh, a lot of people uh, over the past have liked to have a look at them. And then, obviously, getting invited here tonight has been very special, obviously, seeing so many things that uh, I was part of and, and, and new stuff as well. Yeah, Vicarage Road, we're celebrating 100 years of being here. Your first game, do you remember your first games? I, my father was asked to join the club in 1977, so then um, uh, when, when he joined the club, I was able then to come to the second half of the season, so I watched all the home games. Obviously a successful season, and then my first game uh, as, a, as a pro was in uh, 1983, three days after my birthday, so obviously... Uh, uh, good memories, but yeah, I, from 1977 I watched uh, nearly all the home games, travelled away as well, so um, very, very special times. You, know, you saw you, yeah, you saw Vicarage Road from a very different perspective to us, you saw it from the grass. Yes. You know, that, that Watford crowd and how it sort of changed over the years, even when you were a coach and the sort of modernisation of it, how, how, different, how did it change, do you think? from being there on the grass not in the in the crowd well it had the dog track originally so that was uh, uh, we had to run around that and uh, I was one of the supporters who jumped over the, the wall to get on the pitch when they won promotion uh, in, in those seasons and then obviously the stands being developed over the years and then the pitch the pitch nowadays I mean it, it's been outstanding for the last few years and how, how the stadium's developed uh, seeing the rookery the Vickers Road and obviously so out on the Graham Taylor stands I mean the stadium is fantastic now and uh, obviously you always look back and think oh it was really good when you had the uh, uh, the terracing on the Vicarage Road although we had to run up it on a Monday night I remember that and carry Steve Terry up on my on my back but uh, no really good memories but I mean what a stadium now I think it's really really good and uh, I mean they've done so well with it. Do you have, do you have like 
a, one image of Vicarage Road you know you remember like it maybe a, a certain room or a certain place yeah, I always remember the dressing room. So when, when, you, when you were an apprentice and uh, you, you, you were in the away dressing room, but then when you became a pro, you were lucky enough to go into the first team dressing room, which was like a massive thing for me because uh, when you were an apprentice or a junior pro, you didn't go in there until you were invited in. So that was a, that was a special time. Where actually, oh, I'm, I'm a professional now. I can go into the, the home dressing room and the, the brown benches and the, uh, the brown wall and the little gym and the, the physio room off it and... Uh, you know, just, just thinking back, you know, that was a special time. But I, I was saying to someone earlier on, when, when I became a schoolboy, I had a schoolboy pass, so that allowed you to get into the game. So there was, there was a few occasions when we played Nottingham Forest in the, in the League Cup. I was the first one in the ground. I was the first. So I, I used, showed my pass, go down the, uh, the, the steps, past the tunnel, and then along into the Vickers Road. So I'm just standing there, just in awe of uh, what was coming. And, uh, you know, just little things like that, you know, great memories. When you had your first game there, because yes. you were so in awe as a, someone yeah. watching, how long did it take you to, to get over the fact that you are playing on this pitch as a first team player? Well, I, I only had a, a, a one game and then we played the away leg in the UEFA Cup and uh, it wasn't until the season after that I, I, I then got back into the team. So I had that little taste and thought, wow, this is, this is incredible because... When you're focused on the game, you, you hear the noise in the background. But when the game stops or the whistle, you know, it's a throw, then then you hear the, the noise and the comments and stuff like that. And but just the buzz of the fans is it, it, hard to explain, really. You know, it's it's absolutely brilliant. And that's the one thing you miss when you retire from playing is that match day, that match day buzz, and uh, you know, the, the elation when you've won, and obviously the the sadness and the disappointment when you've lost. But one, one of the games, and a lot of fans talk about it, when we played Liverpool in, in, in the Cup and, we, and Ian Rush dived and got the penalty. But, you know, that was the, the, the fullest I've ever seen Vicarage Road in all my, all my time. But the atmosphere that night was, was something else. But, uh, I mean, there's so many games and so many evenings. Uh, you know, it's a special place. Your favourite object you have and the one object you would like to have in the St Nigel Gibbs collection? I think where we're standing now is the Watford Observer clock. I mean, that's something special. So um, I'm not sure Heidi would like that. Yeah, but where would it fit? Well, yeah, I'd make it fit, you know. So, so yeah, I mean, that's got all the special memories. I think I had a couple of shots. I hit it at one time. Um, well, those, those uh, clocks, uh, the, the arms are broken. <laughs> that's it. That's probably me. Uh, I've got to be honest. I really like the flag yeah. here tonight. And uh, that flag—it's a yellow flag with the yeah. old Watford yes. logo and the two players in that tackle. Yes. Would that, now where was that in the ground? That Fine. was uh, the red line corner of the Vickers Road end. And uh, uh, there's a guy called Sailor that uh, um, used to go, and that was his job to go and put the flag up and bring it down. So. You know, that would be really, really, really special to have that. I, I've actually got a flagpole in my garden, so that, that could go straight onto it. But, uh, no, there's so many good things here to, to look at, and, uh, you know, it's, it's really good to, to, to come and see it. We've talked a lot about the game, and we'll, we'll talk a lot about the Burnley game in a few days' time, but we have to uh, congratulate. Um, I don't know about you, but when I start seeing the fancy football things turn up, in the last couple of days, I was like, "I'll oh, do me a favour, go away." I only ever sign up. I pick my team. I might make an adjustment after two weeks, and that's about it. Um, we had a quite an episode last year, I think it was Mike, when we were the Brighton away game. Um, Arlo got a a little bit of a sticky situation. Yeah, uh, the a literal schoolboy error when he made. I think it was about ten substitutions without realising you're only allowed to make. Is it one a one a week, so he'd basically wiped out all his points with uh, a glut of uh, ill-advised, ill-advised transfer. So uh, I think he's had a decent, decent week this week, though. So he's happy. The man to my left 
is pretty happy as well. He's so Kelly Summers, as we know, is a fantasy league expert, um, host of all sorts of TV shows and podcasts on the subject. She's got a um, a league, fantasy league league. Who's top of that, Andy? Oh, I don't know, Mike. <laughs> I haven't checked. Who is it? Screenshot <laughs> after screenshot. I've been cascading into my phone. Uh, he's in work early, waving his phone around. Oh, do, you, do you do Fantasy League, mate? <laughs> <laughs> do you do Fantasy League? So, yeah, Andy's had a, Andy's had a pretty good week. Um, but we, we're not doing one this year because I don't think there is one for the championship and I don't have the head for it. But we do want to congratulate because uh, he got in touch wondering if we were going to do a league again. And also, I think, because he wanted to show off because he was the winner of our fantasy Premier League, which I think I looked at in August and didn't look back at again. I don't know where Hodges Heroes, I think was my team name. Uh, I think lower than mid-table. Richard Tutor, uh, he got in touch. Thank you so much, Richard. And congratulations on winning our league. There are no prizes. Oh, come on. I think think (laughs) you've just explained why him winning deserves a prize. Because you and me are the same. We sort of start it with all good intentions. And it's like, oh, I'm not very good at this. I really haven't got the energy. (laughs) So Richard's obviously kept it up. Won the league. I think I'm going to come up with a prize for him of some description. Richard, we'll sort something out. It might not be amazing, but I think you deserve a prize. Congratulations, mate. Well done, champion. (laughs) Champion. So um, we're not doing one this year, um, but uh, congratulations and and we hope you all enjoy it. Um, We're back again after the game on Friday to uh, have a chat about this Watford team and how it progresses, if it progresses and where it progresses uh, in this uh, game against Burnley uh, under the lights again on Friday. No, no, not Saturday at 3pm. Not quite yet. Thank you, Michael. No worries. So look, it's, I think it's kind of already, it's what we expected it to be. It's challenging, it's ups, it's downs, it's confounding, confusing, confuddling. But it's good to have football back, isn't it? <laughs> and thank you, Andy. No worries. Yep, and so uh, please keep in touch uh, via the old uh, email if you can, podcast at fromtherookend.com, uh, or also the social media is at Watford Podcast, wherever you may find us. See you after Friday. Come on, you all!